take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 13 tonight. Proverbs chapter 13. And we're going to start reading in verse 20. Just one verse in Proverbs chapter 13. This is a very well-known verse here. And it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And I think that verse right there, I think that's one that, you know, you don't even need a Bible to understand that, do you? I mean, really, it doesn't take a whole lot of wisdom to know and to understand that those that you walk with, those that you associate with and hang around with are going to have an effect on you. And if you hang around good people, it's going to have a good effect. If you hang around bad people, it's going to have a negative effect. I mean, that's just obvious. Even people who are not Bible believers, I think, understand that and get that to a certain point. And I want to talk tonight about the dangers of wrong friendships. I think one of the things that gets kids especially in trouble and even adults in trouble are bad friendships. You start associating yourself with the wrong people, you're going to get in trouble real fast. It will change your attitude. It will change. It can change your doctrine real fast. And you know, today, you know, a lot of people they get their friends on the internet. Okay, you know how many people today all their socializing they do is on the internet. And let me tell you, there's a lot of weird people out there. And um, I mean things that we can't even imagine and whatever you can imagine, it's all out there. And people are being greatly influenced in the area of internet. Preachers today are I mean, you know, we were talking this morning a little bit about all the trendies and you see all these things that everybody's doing. And it's like what's made them all do that? It's like they're all following the same people online. They're all following the same person on Twitter or whatever and therefore uh, you know, everybody's doing the exact same thing. You know, you would think in a country of over 300 million people with I don't know how many independent fundamental Baptist churches, you know, you would think there would be a little more variety in a lot of different things. And obviously there's going to be a lot of things that we have in common because we have if we're using the same book, we're going to have certain things in common, but I'm talking about as far as behavior, you know, as far as methodology, there's not a lot of difference many times and it's because the same few people are being followed. And we're seeing more and more of that, you know, because of things like the internet. But you know, unfortunately, parents many times they fall for a lot of these rules that the world makes up. There's a lot of rules that are out there. They're not written down anywhere, but they're in our hearts because we've been brainwashed. We've watched all the TV shows. Uh, we've heard it all from the news media so many times. And we start to believe these rules. And one of these rules that we've fallen for many times is that you know, we need, you know your kids should be able to pick their friends. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you follow that rule... Um, and you fell for that rule. You, I don't want to insult anybody in here. Y'all are friends, but you know, I could insult you right now if I wanted to. That's not a good rule. That's a very bad rule. And I'm here today to tell you that you know what? You can pick your kids' friends. You can influence your kids' friends. You have every right to say, stay away from that person. You have every right to do that as a parent. In fact, that's called parenting, right there. When you are careful and you tell your kids who they can run around with. And it is, it's amazing the things that I've heard parents talk about, you know, that you know, you know, you let your kids do that stuff. You know, I've I've always encouraged parents to 
you know, encourage their kids to do a lot and even make them do a lot. And parents are always like, oh no, I don't, I don't think parents should do that. You know, if your kids want to take music lessons, let them take it. But if they don't want to, don't let them. And then I'll just say, well, do you tell your kids if they want to learn math, they can learn math? Oh, no, they have to do math. Why do they have to do math and they can't do music? Well, because, you know, the public school says they have to do math. Oh, okay, so whatever they say a kid has to do, that's what you're going to do. And you're a good parent because you do you make them do math and English and science and all those things. I happen to add a subject that they don't and but you know because I make up my own rules <laughs> and you follow somebody else's rules. You know, do you make your kids brush their teeth? Yeah. I hope y'all make your kids brush your te- their teeth. You know, my kids wouldn't brush their teeth if we didn't make them brush our teeth. You know, hopefully we're looking for the day when we don't have to tell them to do that kind of thing anymore. But it's amazing. You know, there's all these things that society has said, yes, parents, make your kids do this. But then there's other things, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't make your kids go to church. Okay. Well, I've seen, there's people out there, they don't go to church because their kids don't want to go to church. And I, that, you know, your kids don't get to decide where you go to church. On our grand opening, I saw that. There was a family that came walking in here, and they had a little kid about four or five years old, and he decided that he didn't want to be here. And the parents are like, oh no, you know, you need to go in there. It's going to be okay and all that. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And they're sitting there and they're looking at each other like, what do we do? And I'm thinking, hey, y'all can take him in the bathroom and whoop him if you want to. But, uh, you know, they're looking at him and they're just like, and I was like, well, we've got a junior church going on. He can go to the junior church. And I'm like, do you want to go to the church, junior church? And he's like, no, I want to go home. And he walked out the building, started walking down the sidewalk, and they followed him and never came back. And let me tell you, that's American parenting right there. You know, the kid runs a show, and parents, you do have a right to tell your kids who they can be friends with. And it's very clear in the Bible that friendships have consequences. And these can be good, they can be bad, but letting your kids think they can just be friends with whoever they want, or that they should be friends with everyone, okay? That's a bad idea. And it's not right. So, some things to understand about friendships. And first off, the type of friends that you have, many times it will reveal who you really are. Okay, As parents, I would keep a close eye on who my kids are picking for friends because that's going to tell you a few things. Look at what James chapter 4, verse 4 says. It says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know, If you are the type of person that you gravitate towards worldly people, instead of godly people, that says something about how you really are in your heart. I hear people all the time who claim to be Christians and they just can't stand God's people. They can't stand going to church. and all They have nothing but bad things to say about Christians. And you know what? We've got our share of issues, don't we? Okay, But I still love everyone here. Okay, You wouldn't like it if some, I'm sure everybody in here, if I said, you know, who has family members with a lot of issues? You know, we'd probably all raise our hands. Uh, I imagine those issues probably drive you crazy sometimes, but you still love those people. And if I came and I started bashing your family, you would have a problem with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, because, you know, you love those people. Hey, that's your family. They're your people. Okay? I can bash my family all I want, but you can't bash my family. 
And when you've got a people that say, hey, I'm a part of the family of God, and they are more comfortable around people who hate the family of God, there's something wrong with that. And the type of oftentimes, you know, friendship with one group, it means you're an enemy of another. We see that here in James. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And if you're a friend of God, we're going to see more scripture on this too, you definitely are going to be an enemy of the world. Okay, you've got, and a lot of times, two kids, they'll try to be friends with two groups of people that are enemies. You know, and it never really works out, does it? You know, they always want to try to play both sides, and you know, and under, that's kid stuff there uh, that they deal with. But the truth is, if somebody hates somebody that you love, how can you be friends with that person? If you hate my wife, if you hate my family, you know, it's it's not going to work out. Being friends, and our world, the world hates our God, and yet many people who claim to be Christians want to be friends with the world. We've got churches today trying to be more friendly to the world, trying to accommodate the world. Okay, of people who hate God. Okay? The world is not going to like what we do here at the church. The world is not going to like hard preaching. It's not going to like the "Thus saith the Lord," that you are a sinner. This is wrong. You know, you are wrong. The reproving, the rebuking, the world does not like that. They are not going to like the godly music that goes on in churches. They are going to want worldly music. They are not going to like godly dress. They are not going to like that. They like their worldly dress, the worldly attire. And you can't be friends with one of your friend's enemies. John chapter 7, verse 7 says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Okay? The world, it, you know, we think they hate us sometimes, but it's not they hate us, they hate God. And they will put up with us, and they might even like us if we are not doing what God has told us to do. If you get backslidden enough, you can get the world liking you. The reason the world hates God is because He testifies that their deeds are evil. Well, if we decide to go, like even as a church, if we go, you know, decide to go liberal, let's stop picking on people's sins, let's start being a little more friendly uh, to the community, all that kind of stuff, then they won't have a problem with us. Okay, because the truth is, because we're all sinners, you know, there's not a huge difference between us and the world, isn't there? Without Christ, there is no difference between us and the world. And we've got to make a decision. Who are we going to be friends with? Are we going to be friends with God? Which is going to make the world hate us. If we decide to be friends with God, we're going to see here in a little bit, it means we're going to be doing certain things. It means we're not going to be doing other things. And the world is not going to like that because they don't like our God. And so, you know, when it comes to friendships, it reveals what side you're on. If your kids are always wanting to hang out with the rebels and the troublemakers is probably because they're a rebel and a troublemaker. You know, and it's funny how, you know, the rebels and troublemakers always find each other. It's it's amazing, you know, you could be in a church of hundreds and even thousands of people and you know, those two troublemakers in the church, they'll find each other, won't they? You can send them off to a Bible college somewhere. You know, parents all the time they send their kids to Bible college, and while their kids are in Bible college, their kids just go bad and get in all kinds of trouble. And then everybody, all the parents want to blame the college and blame the kids in that college. And it's like, no, you know why your kid gravitated towards that group? Because that's who he really was. That's what he was really like. 
And and that's what, and so you ought to pay attention to that. Pay attention to who your kids are running with. You know, if that other kid's a troublemaker and your kid's around them all the time, they're going to pick up on those things. And so, you know, just watch, you know, watch, be careful. Our friends show who we really love and care about and who we want to be like. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 13, we'll start reading. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. We looked at this last week. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. Do you all see that? Now we say we want to be friends with God, but if we're going to be friends with God, that means we're doing what He's commanded us, right? And the world doesn't like that. Okay, Jesus testified that the works of the world were evil, therefore they hated Him. They said He said the world cannot hate you. Okay? But the truth is, we do sometimes seem to be the ones being hated, but it's not because of anything with us. We're not that different than the world. It's because we're doing the works of Christ. And they hate Him. And if you are, if you are a friend of God, you are doing His commandments. You are doing what He said. And the world will not like you. They will hate you. Let's keep reading. Uh, it says, verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Okay? Now, notice He's commanded us to love one another. Okay? Talking about fellow believers, other believers. He's commanded us to love one another. Many people who say they're Christians say they're a friend of God, they hate their brother in Christ. They don't want to have anything to do with their brother in Christ. We've been told, we've been commanded to love one another. Okay? We've been told, you know, we're, we're supposed to be loyal to each other. We're supposed to be loyal to Christ. Verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Do you all see that? The reason these folks are in trouble, they have no excuse for their sin now. I've come and I've revealed it to them. I've shown them that they are sinners. There's no cloak anymore. There's no covering. And it says right here, He that hateth me hateth my father also. Do you all see that? You can't hate Jesus and love God. You can't hate God and love Jesus. Y'all see that? You can't be a friend of God unless you're keeping His commandments. If you are keeping His commandments, the world will hate you. Okay. So just understand because we live in a world too, and a message like this can be tough to get across sometimes because we live in a world where there are no absolutes, where there's exceptions to everything. There is no black and white. Everything's gray. But... What we're seeing here in the Scriptures is very black and white, isn't it? Okay? Either you love God and Jesus or you hate them both. 
Okay? You either are a friend of God, one who keeps His commandments, or you are a friend of the world. You don't get to be both. So keep all this in mind because we're going somewhere with this. So, our friends, though, they show who we really love and care about. Many, and there are many people that are, they are they're very comfortable around lost people. So here's the question, though. You know, well, aren't we supposed to love everybody? That's what people think. When you start saying, hey, don't be friends with the world. Don't be friends with the lost. You know, oh, that sounds mean. You know, that means, you know, my, my neighbors, if they want to be friendly, I got to look and say, nope, you're lost people. You're not my friend. Okay, no, and I'm not saying that. See, we can love our, we can love our enemies, but we can't be friends with our enemies. Okay? And I know this sounds terrible. Nobody wants to go and label their lost neighbor as an enemy, do you? Okay? And, and I, I wouldn't tell them you're, they're your enemy. Okay? But listen, if they're not saved, if they don't love God, they're an enemy. Alright? Okay? And listen, and people get scared of that word. Because, you know, what does the world want to do with their enemies? They want to kill their enemies, don't they? But listen, we're not of the world, are we? We don't kill our enemies. Do we see anywhere in the Bible where we kill our enemies? No, but we do love our enemies. Okay? And there's a difference between loving someone and being a friend with someone. See, the Bible says that God loved the world, but it doesn't say He was a friend of the world, does it? See, and we're supposed to be like Him. God, in fact, the Bible says God so loved the world, but nowhere in the Bible where you see where God was a friend to the world. God did love the world. God did good to the world. We can love, we can love the world, but we can't be friends with the world. And see what happens. There's a difference between loving someone and being a friend. When you're a friend, you know, you're a, a friend is someone they're going the same direction, aren't they? A friend is someone that you are on the same path. Remember, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Friends are people who are going in the same direction. If you're saved and your neighbor's lost, you're going in two different directions, aren't you? You're heading to two different destinations, aren't you? Now, you as a Christian, you can love your neighbor. You can be friendly. You can be kind to them. But what are you supposed to be trying to do? You're trying to pull them in another direction, aren't you? Whenever we associate with the world, okay, we are we are trying. We're supposed to be trying to pull them our way. We're supposed to be trying to point them to Christ. We're supposed to try to introduce them to the Lord. We're supposed to. We're trying to change them, aren't we? And whether you want to admit it or not, the world tries doing the same thing with us too. They're going to try to get you out of church. They're going to try to get you doing the sins that they do. That's what friends do. Friends are people who are working together. They are going in the same direction. And we are not going the same direction as the world. And I encourage you all as Christians, go out to your neighbors. Go out to your lost family and try to pull them your way. Be kind to them. Do good to them. You know, Invite them over for dinner. But understand... If you all are going two different directions, you can't be a friend when you're going a different direction. Just like you can't be a friend of God when you're disobeying His commandments. Okay, You have to be doing the same thing. You have to be going in the same direction. And so understand, your children, when they have a friend, when they claim somebody as their friend, understand they're going in the same direction. Look at what direction they're going. Pay attention to that because they're going to end up 
in the same place. I would encourage my kids to love everybody. You know, love the kids they go to school with. Love, you know, their relatives. Love their neighbors. But they need to be trying to be an influence, a good influence. Because if they don't try influencing them for the good, I promise they're going to try influencing your kids for the bad. I promise they're going to do that. Because that's what friends do. They influence, okay? You know, friends don't let friends drive drunk, okay? You know, even the world says friends influence other friends, don't they? That's what a friend does. They are an influence in their life. And so, something too that's just kind of interesting about friends, you know, because we, remember, we can love people, we can love our enemies, but we can't be friends. Okay, look at what look at Romans chapter eleven verse twenty five. I want to show you something here. And I said, and I'm not trying to be all technical and picky. And if you have somebody that's lost and you're calling them your friend, I'm not saying no. Make sure that person knows they're your enemy. No, you know they won't get that. They won't understand. They will not understand that. But you do need to understand friendships are you're going in the same direction. And whether you admit it or not, if that person is your friend. You are what you're going in the same direction, and so you need to get it in your head. Hey, am I being a friend to this person? Am I going to be a friend to this person, or am I going to love this person? And if you love that person, you're going to try to pull them in another direction. But, there, uh, but look at what Romans chapter eleven verse twenty five says. Because one thing that we see a lot of going on in uh, in Christian circles, and, and it's even in Baptist churches, sadly, you've got all these people wanting to be a friend to Israel. Okay. And this is kind of interesting. You've got there's ministries out there, you know, friend to Israel. People tweet this picture all the time, and it just irritates the snot out of me. It's two hands clasped together like that. You know, that's kind of a sign of friendship. Two other hands, and one of them's the colors of the American flag, and the other one's the colors of the Israeli flag. Because you know, America and Israel were friends. And you know, if America wants to have be friends with other countries, I haven't got a pro- I haven't got a problem with that. But let me tell you something. As believers, I don't know if we want to be calling ourselves friends with any countries, including America, because we're not going the same direction, are we? I mean, clearly America's going the wrong way. I will not call myself a friend to America. I will say I love America, and so I'm going to try to make a difference. I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to tell you right now, I am not, or I, I do not, I am not a friend of Israel. I'm an enemy of Israel. I'm going to show you that biblically we're enemies of Israel, but I do love Israel. I do support trying to get them the gospel. I support trying to bring them to Christ and introducing you know them, showing them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that He's who they need to go to. But look what Romans chapter eleven says, because this saying we're a friend of the Jew or the of Israel is not biblical at all. Verse twenty five says, "For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel." until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And the fullness of the Gentiles, people oh, that's the church age that we're in right now. No, the fullness of the Gentiles is mentioned in Daniel. That is the time that the holy city is being trodden underfoot of the Gentiles, and that ends around the abomination and desolation. But that's just a side thing there. And it says, and so all Israel shall be saved. Because after the abomination of desolation, when Jesus Christ returns, we see that all who are of Israel, all who are saved, they're going to be saved. The rapture is going to come, and they're going to be all Israel is going to be saved. There shall come out of and um, there shall come out of Zion to deliver, and shall turn ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. You see that? Why are they our enemies? Because they're teaching that Jesus is not the Messiah. 
They, the Jewish people today, they hate Jesus Christ. So how can we be a friend to someone who hates Jesus Christ? You can't do it. Well, it's okay because they love God. No, did you remember what we read in John? If they hate Christ, they hate the Father. You don't get to love one and hate the other. You either love them both or you hate them both. And if they hate God, okay, they are an enemy of God. If they hate Christ, they are an enemy of Christ. Therefore, they are our enemies. If they are going another direction, if they are teaching another doctrine, they are an enemy for the Gospel's sake. Let's keep reading. It says, but it's touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, watch this. People will tell you that, oh, well, they, you know, that's why we still love them. That's where it's the friends because God still loves them. They're still God's chosen people. They are beloved for the Father's sake. Wait a minute. Look at where the apostrophe is on that Father's. Is that a singular possessive noun or a plural possessive? This is why every mark in the Bible is important. If it was Father's, with the apostrophe then S, well then that yeah, you could say that's talking about God, but it's fathers with the apostrophe after that. That's plural. You know who it's talking about? It's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's talking about them. And God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And basically, if you read all of Romans chapter eleven, we don't have time to do, there has always been a remnant of Jews that were saved, weren't there? Because God has not cast them away. God will still save Jews. Why? Because of His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, there have always been saved Jews, and those ones are not enemies of God. And so as far as the election, okay, the election, those who are saved, they are beloved for the Father's plural sake. And so uh, once again, we just see how you know, people get way off on that. And it says, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Okay? God doesn't change His mind on these things. For as ye in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that He might have mercy upon all. And so basically what's been, what's been taught here is that God has, God has basically put the Jews, Israel, in the same boat with everyone else. If a Jew is going to get saved, they have to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same thing for everybody. God still saves Jews. There's people out there that believe that Jews are reprobate. They believe that Jews cannot be saved. They rejected the Messiah and it's too late. No, it's not too late for them to get saved. Why? Because of their fathers. The covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... God will still save them. God will always save anyone who will call on Him, including the Jewish people. Okay, But you see in that passage, it mentions though, they are our enemies for the Gospel's sake. And so, this attitude of being friends to everyone. You know, you got churches that are wanting to be you know, friends with everybody. We, we can't be friends with people that are going another direction. If you are friends with them, you are going in the wrong direction. That is what friendship is. You are. You're you're pulling together like in the picture. You know, and maybe that's why America's going downhill so bad, because they're they're wicked over there too. You know, or maybe we're pulling them down. Who knows? Maybe that's why they continue rejecting the Lord, because we're rejecting the Lord in America. I mean it's you are going the same direction as 
your friends are. And so, we've got to be very careful. And once again, you know, love people, love your enemies, love your neighbors, love your relatives, love Israel. You know, love love everyone, but we've got to understand who they really are. And for a Christian to call someone their enemy, there's nothing dangerous about that. Because it's very clear we're supposed to love our enemies. And you linking arms with them and basically helping them along their way on their path of destruction, is that loving them? No, you're not loving them at all. If you've got if you have a somebody that you call a friend and you are saved and they are lost and you're doing nothing to bring them to Christ, you're not you're not doing anything to be a positive influence, you are not loving those people. And let me tell you something right now, you can be friends with somebody and not love them. Okay? Because what is one thing that friends often do? Friends often get other their friends to do bad things, don't they? Friends often get their friends to try drugs, don't they? Is that loving them? No. But it is being a friend. What are they trying to get? Why are they trying to get you to do that? They're trying to get you to do the things they do. Okay? Most people, when they smoked their first cigarette, they were with a friend. Why did their friend need them to smoke a cigarette? Because friends need their friends to do the same thing they're doing. They need to be going the same direction. And so, we've got to decide... Are we going to be friends with the world, which means we're going to do nothing to help, or are we going to wreck, are we going to love the world? Okay, and loving the world that's not that's not being that's not being friends with them. We are trying to influence them. We're trying to make a difference. You know, family. We should all you should always love your family, but you know you can't always be friends with your family. There's another rule that's out there that people have just made up. If they're family, you know you have to be friends with them. You know, if they're family, you gotta let them babysit your kids. If they're family, you know, you gotta let you know your kids play with their, you know, be friends with their cousins and you know go spend the night at their cousin's house. Let me tell you, I got some relatives. I would never let my kids stay in their house. I would never let those kids be alone with my kids. I don't care if we're related. Look at what Second Samuel chapter thirteen says. This is a very whenever there's preaching on friendships, this is a very uh, popular scripture to use. Very well known one. Second Samuel chapter thirteen. If I can find it. And we'll start reading in verse one. It says now or I'm in chapter three, chapter thirteen. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. I think most of us probably know the story about Amnon. And it says, and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Amnon, he had some, you know, he he had a problem. Okay, Amnon had a lust problem. He had a, what I guess the world would call an orientation that the world would probably tell us we should accept. But no, he had an issue, and he should have suppressed it. He should have buried it. He should have dealt with it. You know, he he should not have done what he did. But it says, but he wasn't planning on doing anything. But verse three, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Okay, and this, and we're not going to read the whole story, but his friend Jonadab basically encouraged him. Hey, go ahead and do what you're wanting to do. His friend Jonadab gave him a plan on how he could execute this. I mean, this is a disgusting story, and it was. All made possible because of Amnon's friend. But let's look at who Amnon's friend was. 
It was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. So what would that make Jonadab? A cousin. You know, and it's funny, they didn't say Ammon had a cousin. Okay? Because, you know, cousin doesn't necessarily mean influence. You know, you can't help who your cousins are, can you? You can't help who your relatives are. You can't help who your family is. But it makes note of the fact, it mentions first, that this is Amnon's friend because a friend is an influence. Okay? And this guy clearly was a very bad influence. Got him to do something horrible. But you know what? Maybe David had heard that rule. You know, they're cousins, they're family, so you have to let them be friends. And he let this guy who was a very subtle man by him said this guy was sneaky. He was tricky. He was like, you know, the Eddie Haskell, if you ever watch Leave it to Beaver, you know, polite to the parents, but when they weren't around, he had a totally different personality. And you gotta watch for that. Okay, there's kids out there like that, man. They know how to turn on the charm for the parents and around the adults. But boy, behind closed doors, they act completely different. And this guy was a relative. And we for some reason, people just automatically trust relatives and feel like they are obligated to be friends. And listen, you are obligated to love your family. But you're not obligated to be friends. If your family is going in the wrong direction, you can't link arms with them and let them pull you down and pull you away from God. Jesus said, "...whoso loveth father and mother more than Me is not worthy of Me." Sometimes even your own parents can be trying to pull you the wrong direction and not telling you to necessarily label your parents enemies and say, all right, you know, kids, grandma and grandpa, they're our enemies. No, you, know, you, you love them, okay? You lo- always love your family, but you can't always be friends. Friendship means allowing influence, allowing them to make a difference. And Amnon's cousin ended up destroying his life. As a result of this, he ended up defiling his sister. Amnon ended up being murdered by his half brother. As a result of this, I mean, his cousin literally got him killed because of bad advice. And there are a lot of Christian kids who they weren't destroyed by a what we would call a friend. It was by a cousin, by a family member. And we've got so we've got to watch that. Don't fall for that just because they're family. You got to let your kids do whatever they want with them and constantly be together. That's just absolutely foolish. But um, friendships they make a clear. And bold, but sometimes inaccurate statement about what you believe. Now, that might sound like a contradiction, but let me say that again. Your friendships, the people that you are friends friends with, it makes a statement. It's very clear. It's very loud, but it's not always accurate. And I'll show you in Second Chronicles chapter nineteen. If you want to turn there, see, and this is why we do. We need to be very careful. Who we associate ourselves with, you know. A lot of times we think, "Oh, I'm so strong in my beliefs." You know, I can go hang around certain people, and I'll—they won't influence me. I'll influence them. But man, I'm telling you, that is dangerous to be doing that. In Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse one, it says, "In Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Jehoshaphat was a good guy. Jehoshaphat was a king. The Bible says did right in the sight of the Lord. He did a lot of good things." Jehoshaphat, he got rid of the Sodomites that were in the land when he was there. That was always a good thing that God will point out when they run the Sodomites out. Jehoshaphat did that. He was a good guy. He had a good heart, but he had bad friends. Verse two. Um, uh, first, because uh, we're 
just a little bit of background. It's not in this passage. But right before this is the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab going to battle together where Ahab ended up getting shot. The man drew a boat adventure, got Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king. King of Israel, by the way. Okay, Jehoshaphat, he was being friends with Israel. And these it got him in trouble. It got, he was not supposed to be friends with him. Ahab was wicked. And even though Jehoshaphat was friends with Ahab, Ahab, who followed false gods, Ahab, the one who was married to Jezebel, who you know murdered Naboth, I mean, guys who did wicked, very wicked things, Jehoshaphat was not like that. He was not like Ahab. He wasn't, but at the same time, he did join arms with Ahab, went and fought a battle to help Israel that he should have been fighting. And in verse 2, Jehu, the son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee. He says, God is mad at you. The wrath of God is going to come on you because you helped an enemy of the Lord. But then he says, but nevertheless, good things are found in thee. See, Jehoshaphat wasn't a bad guy. But boy, he made friends with a bad guy. And it wasn't just... And he linked arms with them. He fought a battle. He went for a time in the same direction as this guy, even though he didn't get to the Baal worship and that stuff. But it says, in verse, the good things, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. So, he says, the wrath of God is coming on your house because of what you did, but because there is good in you, it's not going to happen just yet. But here's the thing, Jehoshaphat didn't learn his lesson. After Ahab died, Ahab's son, Ahaziah, became king. And if you jump to chapter 20 and verse 35, it says... And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made ships in Ezion Geber. He, they're, hey, they're doing a project together. They're working together. They're helping each other. This man who was wicked. And verse 37, Then Eleazar, the son of Dodava, Marisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, and they were not able to go to Tarshish. So God got mad at him again. But once again, Jehoshaphat in his heart was still a good guy. Jehoshaphat in his heart did a lot of good things. He wanted to seek the Lord, but he made friends with bad guys. Okay, Made friends with people he shouldn't have been made friends with. And he made... He was... Basically, had double talk going on in his life. Who he really was on the inside. This was a guy who was good on the inside, but he was bad on the outside. And there's there's a lot of people there. You know, they do good on the in, outside and are bad on the inside. But Josh Fett, he's good on the inside. He's doing bad on the outside. And as a result of that, okay, as a result of him, these guys obviously didn't influence him too much. We never see Josh Fett worshiping false gods. We don't see him do anything like that. But he did make friends in completely separate projects that displeased God because these people were enemies of God. And Jehoshaphat's friendships as a result of that ended up destroying his family. Look at what chapter 21 says. 
It says, Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram his son reigned in his stead. And he had brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah and Jehiel and Zechariah and Azariah and Michael and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. And their father gave them great gifts of silver and of gold and of precious things with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom gave he to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now when Jehoram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword and divers also of the princes of Israel. Did you see that? He killed all of his brothers. All of Jehoshaphat's children died at the hand of Jehoram. Now, where did Jehoram get the idea to kill all of his brothers? You know who did that? The kings of Israel always did that. The kings of Israel, they were always kind of changing families. Judah had always stayed in the line of David. But in Israel, it was always changing hands. And every time a new king would come along, he would destroy anyone that could maybe make claim to the throne. And they would kill their own brothers. That's what the kings of Israel did. That's how wicked they were. And Jehoshaphat thought he could be friends with them. And he said, I can be friends with them and they won't influence me. I've got a good heart. But they sure did influence his son, didn't they? And as a result, all of his sons died. Jehoram's king. And look at this. Verse 5, Jehoram was 32 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab. For he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Did you all see that? He acted like the kings of Israel. Well, where did he learn how they act? Well, he was hanging around his dad when his dad was hanging around Ahab. And while his dad is hanging around Ahab, and he's hanging around his, you know, he's hanging around his dad, he notices Ahab's daughter who's hanging around her dad. And these two end up getting together and they end up getting married. The daughter of Jezebel. And it turns out her name is Athaliah. And if you continue reading, later Athaliah ends up after Jehoram dies, she makes herself queen and she destroys all of the family. She destroys all the seed royal trying to make sure she could stay the queen. I mean, just absolutely wicked. Only one child was left alive by a miracle of God, by the hand of God. But this woman was as wicked as all get out. What was he doing with her? Well, what was to make? why would he think there's a problem? Hey, our dads were friends. Our dads were buddies. You know, we, They got married. And you know what? People too, they'll look at you like you're terrible if you say things like, I'll, I'll say it right now. I will not put my blessing on my kids marrying anyone from another religion. Oh, hey, they're from another religion. They're going a different direction. Talk about friendship, okay? I mean, marriage? Uh, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let them marry somebody who is not an independent fundamental Baptist. You can't do that. Uh, you better believe I can. Well, they can go elope. Well, then they can go elope. And if it's my daughters, I'll save a fortune, by the way. But I, I'm not. I'm not blessing that. Well, that's terrible. You know, no, I'm going to check on those things. If they're not going the same direction, why would I do that? That's why I'm careful about you know the people I associate myself with, the churches I associate with. Okay, if when we go to youth conferences and youth camps and things, I pay attention to the churches that are going in to those things. You know why? Because our kids are going to make friends with some of those kids. And if those churches are going another direction, 
I don't want our kids making friends with those kids. You know, when it comes time for my kids to go to Bible college, I want to know what that college is teaching. I want to know what they're pushing. I want to know what kind of people are sending their kids to those colleges because there's a good chance my kids are going to find a spouse at that place. And therefore, I'm very careful about who I make friends with because if I make friends with someone and they have kids, our kids are going to end up making friends. And I might be strong enough to tell the dad in that family, no, I'm not going to be that way. But you know what? My kids not, might not be strong enough to tell their kids that. And, we've, and we have got to be careful with that because here, here's the thing, you eventually will end up like your friends. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Psalms 1 1, you know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, we, that whole chapter, I mean, just a great chapter on that you will end up like those you hang around. Proverbs 22, verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. It's going to rub off on you. People are going to rub off on you. Friendships, they are so important. They determine how we talk, how we act, how we dress. Just about everything. And since your children's friends are going to have some of the greatest impacts on their life, I would encourage parents to get to know their children's friends and be careful who their friends are. Pay very close attention it, it will make all the difference in the world in their life. And so, understand the dangers of wrong friendships and, make, and understand the difference between being a friend and loving someone. You all go out and love everybody. All right? Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. Love your coworkers. Love your family. But be careful who you're friends with. It means you're going the same direction. So with that, let's all stand together.